Hey, thank you so much for the shout out. That was amazing. Well, hey, welcome to Asbury Church this morning where we don't mind having some fun. So we want to welcome you. Hey, I am excited. So today we're going to continue our series on a process of becoming. I started this last week. If you missed the first week, I want to encourage you to go back and watch it online uh, or listen to it on the website. I just think what we're sharing over the next few weeks is so very important. Um, we believe that, that as a church, our responsibility is to help people become fully devoted followers of Christ. How many here would just recognize that, you know, in your life, there are, there's lots of room to grow, right? Okay, a few of us. How many got a spouse that needs lots of work? How about some kids? Stephanie, don't raise your hand. My daughter-in-law. But I would agree with you, so I'll, I'll raise it for, for him too, right? So, but, but, you know, we're, we're, we're talking about this process of becoming, and so we have a little, uh, a, a little picture that we want to show you. It's just kind of our process. How do you become what God is calling us to be? And so we're going to put it up on the, on the screens here real quickly, because our prayer is that you would become everything that God has called you to be. And in order to do that, it's important to have a good process, because if you have a good process, you have a good chance of getting a good product. And process is so important, and it begins by clarifying a focus. It begins by saying, you know what, here's an area in my life where I need to grow. Now, the truth is, is sometimes we become absolutely overwhelmed because we look at our lives and we go, good Lord, there is so many areas in my life that need to grow. And sometimes because it feels like there's so many areas that need changing, man, it's just hard to figure out, well, where do we begin? And this is what I just believe. Begin somewhere. Pick one thing. And the reason this works is this, is because our lives are integrated. Our lives are not just, you know, like if I just work on this, that's the only thing that improves. Our lives are integrated. And because of that, when I improve in one area, it begins to affect multiple areas. And so part of this process of becoming begins with clarifying a focus. And then it moves on from there that as we, as we begin to say, okay, this is where I need to grow, then it's important for you and I to begin to discover new ideas. And then as we discover new ideas, it's not enough just to know we need to begin to live, begin to change our behaviors. And so that requires the establishment of disciplines. And then as we allow those disciplines to become rooted in our life, it's not enough just to start something, it's to continue in it and, and to continue and continue and to make it a, a habit, a normalized habit in our life, then what happens is change begins to take place. And then as we do those things, what we want to do is we want to evaluate how have we grown in this. And what we'll see is that as we've grown in it, it will begin to expose another area. We're like, going, you know what, boy, I've been great gaining traction in this area, but I'm beginning to notice I need to grow here. And then as we move our focus then to that one, as we continue to work on this one it, and, and start the cycle again, it allows us to begin to become what it is God has called us to be. And, and so last week, we, we talked about the, the first part of this, which is this clarifying the focus. And we just simply said that, that each of us needs to figure out what is one area in our life or where is one area in our life we need to grow. And so the question you were challenged with to think about last week was this. In this season of your life, what is the key area you need to grow in? Now, how many of you, you identified, I got an area I need to grow in? Just raise your hand if that's you. All right, some of you, you may not figure it out yet. And if you don't have your area, just ask someone next to you. They'll give you an opportunity. Or they'll give you some ideas, I'm sure. Um, and, and so we talked about that. 
Well, well, this week, we're going to kind of move on to the next part of the process. And the next part is discovering new ideas. And so we're going to talk about learning to grow. And so we're going to stop. And, and so what I'm going to share this morning, I think, is ridiculously important and big. And, and, and I just want to challenge you to think about this. Maybe take some notes. I know we got notes online that you can kind of follow along. But, but I think what I'm going to share this morning is so important for transformation. Uh, sometimes, we'll, yeah, I'll get there. But anyways, let me tell you about Jesus, because I love Jesus. How many love Jesus this morning? Did you ever notice that when Jesus came, he didn't just come to save people, to rescue them, but, but he also came to, to teach them. And so what we see Jesus do again and again and again is he gathers people around him and he begins to teach them. He begins to, to share with them something new and something different. And, and one of the most famous uh, of these teachings is actually the Sermon on the Mount. And, and so we're going to note a couple ideas from the Sermon on the Mount, but then we're going to really look at Romans chapter 12. And so if you want to turn to Romans 12 in your Bible. Um, but, but this is how the Sermon on the Mount begins. It says, now Jesus, when he saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. And the reason he sat down isn't, wasn't because he was tired, but in Jesus' day, when you got ready to teach people, when you got ready to impart you know, important information, you would sit down to share it. Now, our culture is a little different because, like, look, it's the sermon time. Pastor's going to talk, and he doesn't sit. He stands. He can sit the whole service, but he's going to teach, and now he stands. But it was kind of opposite in Jesus' day. And so Jesus sat down because he wanted to help people discover the path to life. And so, and it goes on to say, his disciples came to him and he began to teach them. And what I love about the way Jesus teaches is that when Jesus begins to teach, he challenges his disciples to understand and respond to the world in a different way. Like when Jesus begins to teach, he begins to challenge the assumptions and the paradigms that people have on the way they see the world and how they respond in it. And even when you read the Sermon on the Mount, I, I think it's in, in chapter 5, there's either five, uh, sorry, there's either seven or eight, where he will say these words, you have heard it said, but I tell you. Like you have heard it said, this is the way you conceive about it, this is, this is how you've been taught about it, this is how you've been taught to respond to these situations, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell you something different. And the reason he did this is because what Jesus wanted to do is he wanted to teach his disciples, his followers, a better way. And this better way, this in a sense, this blessed life, is a way of wisdom that leads to true flourishing. Let me ask you, how many of you this year, you're like going, I want this year to be a year of flourishing? Like, I want to grow. I, I want to be, I, I want to like, I want to grow in my marriage. I want to grow as a parent. I, I want to grow just in my skills, capacities. I, I just want to end 2023 better than I began. I want to flourish. And what Jesus does is when he teaches, he is teaching his followers a path to flourishing. This is why when you begin the Beatitudes, he actually begins with eight statements. He begins with eight statements that begin with the word blessed. And when you hear the word blessed, what he's doing is he's saying, okay, this is the path. This is the way you begin to experience flourishing. And what he teaches is very different than what we see, what we understand. So he'll say this, blessed are the pure in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 
Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You see, Jesus came to direct and lead us to a way to, to, to live life in such a way that enables flourishing. And as a part of it, he challenges his followers to think different. Which leads me to my big idea this morning that we're going to consider, which is simply this. Different thinking enables different living. I'm going to say this again. Different thinking enables different living. Now, I know I've been around people long enough. They're like going, you know what? There are some things that need to change in my life. And, and sometimes they're like going, there are, some, there are some new behaviors I want to have. How many here have some new behaviors you'd like to have in your life? And sometimes we know the behaviors we want, but the problem is, is we, we, we don't always transform the way we want. And part of the reason is, is because new behaviors isn't enough for transformation. New thinking is necessary for transformation, which brings us to Romans chapter 12. And this is where we're going to kind of think about this morning. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Now, when we come to Romans, understand the Apostle Paul is writing a letter of introduction to the church in Rome. And he is explaining the good news of Jesus Christ, the, the, this gospel of Jesus Christ. And he says, it has the power of salvation. It has the power to save. It has the power both to rescue and to restore. And so as, as we get, you know, as he goes through the beginning part of his book, he kind of outlines what this good news is. And the good news starts with some bad news. And if you remember, the beginning of the bad news is this, is we've all got this sin issue. We've got this, we've got this disposition that tries to do things our own way, that we think we know better than God how to get a full life. And, and, and so that's how it begins. And so there's a turning away from God and a turning toward our own ways and, and then the, the decline that happens. Yet God, instead of just giving up on us because we chose against him, he enacts a way by which you and I can be both rescued and restored, and that is through the coming of Jesus Christ. And so he present this wonderful transformation that the gospel brings. And then when he gets to the end of that, he begins to turn. And what happens in Romans chapter 12, there's a bit of a turning. And, and, and after outlining the foundation of the gospel, he begins to encourage the church to allow the gospel of Jesus Christ to motivate and inspire their faith and conduct. And so he writes these incredible words. And, and so I'm going to read them and, and, and follow along because this is so good. This is so important. I love what Paul writes here. He says this, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, in view of all that God has done for us in Christ Jesus, instead of being recipients of wrath, we've been given grace. In view of God's mercy, he urges us to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Everybody say, offer your bodies. Okay, this is important because for Paul, it's not just about saying, I'm giving my heart to Jesus. It may begin in the heart, but it's about saying, I'm not just giving you my heart, I'm giving you all that I am. And Paul says, listen... Present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. For this is 
uh, your true and proper worship. Then he'll go on to say this. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. Everybody say transformed. Okay, so this is important because how many of us, we recognize there's times, there's things in our lives that we need changing. So how are we changed? Don't be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, I know we got a bunch of parents here. How many of you as parents, you've ever watched your kids do something and you asked yourself or you made the statement, what are you thinking? How many of you as a parent have had your kids do something? You're like, what are you thinking? Like, really, what are you thinking? So I remember one time when we were living in the parsonage, I think Emily was about six years old, and all of a sudden she started screaming. And, and how many know that as a parent, you develop that, that, that ability to discern the quality of the screams? Like, you know when it's a fake scream, it's an attention-getting scream. You know when it's a pain scream. How many know this, right? And, and I remember as Emily screamed out, like it was, we knew she was like, she was hurt. And so we went running into the garage where her and her brother, I won't say which one it is, but Jonathan, um, were in there and they were sword fighting. And there is Emily holding about an 18-inch foam sword. And Jonathan has a full-size wooden broomstick. And I remember the first words coming out of my mouth as I look at John. I'm like, John, what are you thinking? Right? Because how many know there's a slight imbalance between a foam sword and a wooden sword? Right? And not only that, Jonathan is older than Emily. And how many know Jonathan should know better? Can I get a witness? Come on now. What are you thinking? Give her the wooden one and you take the foam. And so, you know, there was a part of me as a dad. I'm like, here, you hold the foam sword. I'll use the wooden one. Let's joust. But I refrained. But, but you know that moment, what, what are you thinking? And the truth is, is he was thinking something. He was thinking, I'm going to win. Because how many know if you're setting up the game, you set up the game to win? Right? Like, I got the thing. I just, you know. And, and, and what's interesting with people, because I found out it's not only a question that I ask of, about my children at times, I have found it's a question I ask of myself. Like, there are times I like, I'll do stuff. And you may not realize this about me, but there are some times I do stupid things. And I'm like, going, good Lord, Dave. What were you thinking? What were you thinking? Really? How many of you have had those moments where you're just like, good Lord, what was I thinking? And the truth is, is you are actually thinking something. Now, one of the things that, that, that the assumptions that I have about people, uh, for, for the most part, is that there is congruency between their thinking and their acting. That when people are behaving in a certain way, the reason they behave in a certain way is because they're actually thinking in a certain way. And what we often do in life is we try to change behavior without addressing the thinking. And, and the truth is, is that, that everything that we do is influenced by the way we're thinking. 
And so I want to talk about it. And, and so the way I think about it is this, is this got me thinking about thinking. Have you ever thought about thinking? Are you thinking about thinking? What shapes your thinking? Like, because you're the one who's acting, and, and, and you're the one that, that has some thinking that's motivating the acting. And so the question is, is what is shaping your thinking? Now, the truth is, is thinking is a pretty important process to life. How many know thinking is kind of important? We all encourage our children to do it. We try to do it ourselves. But let me tell, tell you about the role that thinking plays in our life, real quickly. Thinking plays a vital role in human development and interaction. It is the filter through which we process our experiences in the world around us. So everything that, that, that we experience is actually running through the filter of our thinking. Now what our minds do is they gather data from different feedback mechanisms of our lives as means to produce understanding. So, so here we are, we're all in a room right now. And, and you're listening. There's different ones listening. And, and, and you, some of you got other thoughts going on. But, but in this space right now, everybody's, there, there, there's a process that's going on and you're filtering stuff. So I'm saying stuff and you're beginning to filter it. And, and what it does is it helps perceive, a, it, it helps shape a way by which we understand and interact with the world that we are in. And some of the things that, that we, we use to, to gain the data of the world around us that, that we use to interpret is our empirical senses. It can be pain and pleasure receptors. It's a sense of like and disgust, percent, uh, perceptions of better and worse. Those are a few. But what happens is together, all these things through time produce a mindset or a pattern of thought which influences an interpretation of our experiences. And it is an interpretation that goes on to affect our actions and our interactions. And so this is, I, I think, so important to understand because we want God to transform our lives. And sometimes we think we just have to adopt new behaviors, but the reality is, is we actually have to deal with our thinking even before we deal with our behavior. So what is it that shapes our thinking? What is it that shapes our thinking? Now, I want to list real quickly eight things. You're like, good Lord, this is going to be a long message. But I'll go through the eight quickly. If you have, your, if you have the Bible app, you can see these eight real quickly. But it's our experiences. How many know that we are shaped by our experiences? The things that we go through yesterday impacts how we experience our world today, um, both positively and negatively. In, in, in our lives, because of what we've experienced in our past, there are some things that we are continually working to avoid, and there are other things that we are seeking to pursue. Our thinking is shaped by our experiences. Now, there's other parts of this, you know, within this. Uh, there are things like education. How many know that our education impacts how we do our thinking? We've been shaped by what we've been taught, what we've learned, both formally and informally. How, how many of you, you've learned some things just via hard knocks? So, so I learned that you have to pay attention to both business ends of a pickaxe. I learned this, and it, it influences me to be a little mindful of both ends. Because when you think about the dangerous part of the pickaxe, what do you think is the dangerous part? You're like, the metal end. And I want you to know there is danger in that, but did you know there is danger in the handle? 
And so the summer before Rachel and I got married, I went back to Canada to work to gain all this fun money because I had to like pay for, you know, a honeymoon and then, you know, the beginning of a life. And so I was doing concrete work. And as a young person, I was young and stupid. Okay, maybe I was just strong. And I like to try and do things fast. And so one of my jobs was, because I was doing concrete at the time, to take up an old concrete sidewalk. And you know how there's breaks in the sidewalk where they cut them in? And so we had to take it up because we were replacing a sidewalk. And so they gave me a pickaxe and a sledgehammer. And so and I had to move stuff out of the way so we could prepare everything. And I took the pickaxe, the business end of the pickaxe, the, the sharp side, and I set it underneath the um, sidewalk, big piece of concrete. And I was like, I wonder how heavy it is. And so I put the pickaxe in, then I rocked it forward, pushed it forward, so it would raise up, and I reached down with my hands, and I went to lift it, and I said, you know what? That's going to be too heavy to move on its own. I need to break it. And so I dropped it. Now, I don't know if you know physics, but there's a fulcrum. And so what happened when I dropped the concrete, the handle, when I dropped it this way, the handle went like this and hit me right here. And there was a surge of adrenaline. Good Lord. You know those surges of adrenaline that all of a sudden you start sweating? I had that one. It was like, oh, my word. And then I did this. And I was bleeding. Because there's a business end on both ends of the pickaxe. I learned it. It was not, they did not teach it to me in school. I learned it in life. And how many know moments like that, they teach you some things and affects how you do life. And so I'm very respectful of both ends of a pickaxe. Hopefully gotten smarter. What shapes our thinking, our experiences, our education, our examples, the people we look to, the people in our lives that we admire, the people we think are authorities. And we look, look, they got it together and we begin to pattern our lives after them. Sometimes it's our mom and our dad. Sometimes it's our teachers. Sometimes it's heroes, whatever it is. We're also shaped by our environment. How many know that your environment, your cultural context and setting affects how you do life? So if I ask you real quickly, how many of you grew up drinking soda? Raise your hand. How many grew up drinking pop? How many know pop is the proper one, the right one? How many, know, how many would say soda? See, look at all, see, you guys are wrong. How many of you grew up drinking soda pop, right? And, and so what happens is, is something as innocuous as that influences the way, you, the way you understand, the way you communicate, the way you talk. You are a product of the environment. Part of it is you're a product of the environment you grew up in. Not only that, you are shaped by entertainment. You are, our thinking is shaped by the media we engage with. Whether it's on social media, video games, TV, news, there's a whole bunch of different things. It affects the way we think, our expectations. How many of you went into marriage thinking you knew exactly what to expect in marriage and how it was all going to go? And then three days later, you figured out it wasn't going to be your way. And it caused a little dissonance. But, but your expectations were motivating the way you lived. And your expectations influence what you're thinking. Not only that, it's your emotions, your ethos, your, your values. There's all these different areas, and they work together to shape the way we think and process the world around us. Together, they help us to define reality, and it affects our actions and our interactions, even when we're not aware of them. The reason, again, this is so important is because the way you think is impacting the way you live. 
And if you're trying to change the way you live without changing the way you think, you're going to find incredible frustration because you're living out your thinking. Now, here's an additional problem which Paul highlights in Romans chapter 1. And we don't have time to go through all of this, but in Romans chapter 1, Paul talks about hearts that turn against God and say, you know what, I'll find better on my own. And so what they do, if, if you read through it, is there's all these people that, that turn away from the Creator and they turn toward the creation and they say, we can find the better life apart from God. And God goes, okay. And it says He gives them over to different things. And one of the things that he gives them over to, that when they choose, when humanity chooses to reject God and go their own way, he gives them over to their own thinking. And so it says that their minds became depraved, that, that their thinking was affected in a, and, and impacted by their sin. And because of it, the corruption in their thinking would always corrupt their actions. You see, corrupted minds provide... Corrupted conclusions. You know, when, when for, for us uh, PC users, you all know about the blue screen of death, right? All of us here are like, uh-oh, we have a serious operating error here. And that thing that, 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 that has the potential to be helpful in life, all of a sudden just becomes a big waste. Because the corruption. And the reality is, is your thought process and mine is corrupted by our sinful nature. That, that, that even when we try to do right on our own, there is a corruption in our thinking that begins to hijack and, and, to, and, and to, to compromise and corrupt the way we live. This is why the coming of Jesus was so important, because not only did He come to save our hearts and transform us and forgive us of our sins, but He also came to renew the mind. To give us the opportunity to think differently. Because in thinking differently, we can live differently. This is why Paul says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I love Paul's use of the word renew. It means to make new again. It's the language of reversal and restoration. It's a reminder of God's promise to redeem that which has been broken by sin. Not just our hearts, but also our thinking. And by changing our thinking, it enables us to begin to live different. And this, also, this is part of the necessity of the gospel in our lives. Because what the gospel is to do, what, what this message of Jesus Christ is to do for us, is not just rescue our hearts, but to begin to change our thinking. I love what Einstein said. How many remember Al? Good old Al. Alfred Einstein, right? And I'm not going to quote E equals MC squared, though that is very moving. How many are moved by that? Um, he said this. We cannot solve our problems with the same thinking that created them. How many think that's pretty good? That sounds like a smart guy. We cannot solve our problems with the same thinking that created them, and this is why we need the gospel. You see, all of us, our thinking is shaped by all these different things, and what we have to do is we actually have to take our thinking and all those pieces and allow them to be filtered through the message of the gospel. 
You see, the gospel of Jesus Christ, this story of, of God's redemption, of Him coming to this earth in order to pay the penalty for sin, and, and not only to save us, but, but to, to not only to rescue us, but also to restore us, that as we allow this gospel to wash over our lives and our thinking, it begins to change who we are. You know, we need to process and evaluate all of our experiences, our education, our examples, our environment, our entertainment, our expectations, our emotions, and our ethos in the presence of our loving and gracious Savior. And the reason we need to do that is because when we begin to do it, we begin to find healing, we begin to find forgiveness, we begin to find hope, we begin to find grace, we begin to find restoration. I want you to know that the gospel of Jesus Christ changes our lives amazingly. Because the reality is, is our thinking, it, it, like where you are today, you are bringing so much of your history and your thinking, and, and, and we've been through hurts, and we've been through failures, and we've been through different things, and it's affecting the way we see and interact with the world. Yet God says, listen, I want to bring grace and freedom and hope to you, and I want my gospel to wash over it so that you don't have to be hijacked by your yesterdays. You see, different thinking enables different living. So in this process of becoming, as we clarify our focus, we need to challenge our thinking and discover new ideas. Ideas that are rooted and supported by the teachings of Jesus. That if we're going to really experience this transformation, if we're going to become all that God wants us to be and do, we need to challenge our thinking, our perception. And we need to discover new ideas. Ideas rooted and supported by the teachings of Jesus. You see, we need to be ready to learn. If we're going to be ready to learn, it's going to require three things. It's going to require humility. One of the things I've come to know in life is this. If we know everything, we can learn nothing. How many of you, when you graduated from high school, you knew everything? How many, as a teenager, you knew everything? Isn't that great about teenagers? Look how blissfully stupid they are. I know everything, right? How, how many of you, like when you, were, when you were young, you saw parents, you're like going, good Lord. If they would just manage their children right, and you knew how to parent before you had a kid. And then you had a kid, and you found out that everything you thought. <laughs> then you have three, and then you have four, and then five, and then six? No, okay. Um, but, but it's, it's crazy. You think you know. And, and here's the thing. When you know everything, you can learn nothing. And sometimes in our lives, we feel, you know what? I know it all. I know what I need to know. I, didn't, I, like, I, I, I know enough. I'm old enough. I'm so, I've been through enough. I know. You see, followers of Jesus are always willing to make the climb. And this, this is what I love about the, the story of Jesus in Matthew. He goes up the mountain and his disciples come to him. He sits down to teach and they come to learn. And part of what you and I have to do is we need to adopt a, a position of humility in our hearts that says, you know what, you and I, there are some things we need to learn. 
And we need to sit at our Savior's feet and say, okay, Jesus, we need you to teach us. We need you to help us understand which we don't truly understand. The reality is, as many times, it's our own pride that limits our, our potential. You see, what pride does is pride begins to ruin potential. Like the potential of your life to experience flourishing and to experience better is limited by your pride. It's limited by my pride. I know it all. And so if we're going to be ready to learn, we need to be willing to listen. But readiness to learn not only requires humility, I believe it also requires courage. It requires the courage to begin to confront our own stuff. How many of you got stuff? How many of you got issues? How many sitting next to someone that's one of your issues? Don't raise your hands. Our tendency in life is to avoid our issues. How many know life is so much easier if we can make it someone else's problem? You know, if my husband would just get on the same page with me, we would have a happy marriage. If my wife began to do ABC, we would have a happy home. You know what? If my friends or if my church would begin to do this, do you, did you see so-and-so? And what happens is it's so easy for us to focus on other people rather than to deal with our own stuff. You see, I think learning, like, like true transformation, this renewing of your mind stuff, it requires courage. It requires the courage to face our own fears, our own failures, our own frailties. Like we have to face these things because sometimes what's happened, we're, we're thinking in certain paradigms and, and, and you know what? We've been hurt in the past and they're very real hurts and they're terrible hurts and they're impacting the way we interact in our world today. And you know what? Addressing those things can be so hard because it requires us looking back at them. Being mindful, you know what? Maybe there was something in it where I was just foolish. Maybe there was something in it that, you know what, that, that boy, I, I thought X and I was so wrong. Become mindful, again, of our fears or failures our fears, our failures, and our frailties. But I'm convinced that we can. And the reason is, is because we are loved. See, this is, the, this is what I think is great irony. Some of us would think that this is the way we think. If people knew about me what I know about me, they wouldn't love me. Like, if, if, they, if they knew what was in my past, if they knew what I was wrestling with in my heart and in my mind, if, if they knew, they wouldn't love me. And because of it, we, we, we put up all these beautiful facades in our lives so, so people don't get an opportunity to peer behind the curtain. We try to control the information so they see a somewhat manicured projection of who we, we think that people are going to love. The irony is this. Even, we don't even know that we're doing this all the time, but there's one who knows everything that we're thinking. He knows, he knows the thing behind every action and every motivation, every, every thought pattern, every mindset. He, he knows our best day. He knows our worst day. And you know what? He loves us. 
He loves us. I'm so grateful that we serve a God who loves us as we are. That God loves us. And the reason that we can begin to, to experience, to be courageous, to begin to deal with our stuff is because we are loved as we are. Yet we are also loved too much to be left as we are. And so God in His grace comes to us and says, okay, it's time for some difficult conversations. I think if we're going to learn it requires humility. It also requires courage. But we can be brave because ultimately He is good and He is loving. The last thing I would note if we're going to be ready to learn, not only does it require humility and courage, but it also requires diligence. It requires the, the earnestness to put in the work, to, to, to wrestle with these things, to search for the truth and to discover new ideas. Jesus said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. And the whole idea within this is that it requires intentionality and diligence. That it's not just about saying, hey, God, I need you just to change my thinking. It's about us wrestling in the process to become. So last week we asked the question, what is the key area in my life that I need to grow in? This week, I want to challenge you to discover new ideas. To discover new ideas. Like in that area of your life where you're saying, you know what, this is the area I need transformation. This is the area that I need change. What I want to challenge you to do is I want, you to I want to challenge you to begin to say, okay, it's time to discover some new ideas in this area. And the first part is this. It's beginning to evaluate our thinking. What do we think about this area? Like, what, what's been motivating my, my actions? And, and, and what would be great is you can take the list of eight things, you know, your, your, you know, your experiences, environment, you know, and all those different things, and, and begin to say, okay, so, so how have my experiences informed my understanding about this? How, how has my education informed my, my stuff about this? And to begin to list and begin to, to evaluate what is influencing my thinking about this area. And then, evaluate it with what the gospel says. What is it that the gospel says? What is it that God's word says? You see, we need to begin to evaluate our thinking. To, to begin to, 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 to wrestle with them in light of God's word and in the presence of the Holy Spirit. Because when we begin to do that, what we'll find out that, that, that God, by His grace, will begin to change our thinking. And when we allow God's grace to change our thinking, it's going to change our living. So we have to be courageous enough, if we're going to discover new ideas, to, to evaluate our thinking. But not only that, but, but to say, okay, God, would you help me learn? And again, we, we wrestle with God's Word, but I, I think it's not just about wrestling with God's Word. I think that we have to also learn to listen in community. So the Bible tells us this. The heart is deceitful above all else. Who can know it? You know what that means? It means that your heart can deceive not just other people, but it can deceive you. And sometimes we think, no, I, I know what I need to know about this area. 
You know what one of the benefits of community is? You have people that you get to wrestle ideas with. Right, to say, hey, you know what, I'm really thinking about this. Hey, what, what are your perceptions? What do you see? What have you learned? And when we begin to wrestle with these things in the presence of God, but also learn to do it with, with trusted, valued, wise people in our lives, all of a sudden what we begin to find out is that, oh my goodness, God's grace begins to reveal some thought patterns in my life that I may not even be aware of that provides opportunities for change because if God can change our thinking, he can change our living. And this is what I think is so amazing about this. If we begin to focus on one area of our lives, just one area, I know, I know, there's lots of areas that need changing in our life, but if you begin to pick one area of your life, because your life is integrated, and you begin to change your thinking in that one area, you'll find out that your thinking is going to begin to change in other areas as well. And God does this because he wants to release flourishing and life into our lives. I, I love what John 10.10 10 says. The thief comes but to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life, life to the full. Life more abundantly. I want you to have the best life, the life you were created for. Again, my prayer for you this year is that it would be a year of positive growth. That the stuff that you go through and wrestle with this year, that, that as you're growing, it would become a platform for greater purpose and joy for you, for your family. That, that as you wrestle through some of these things, that God will, my prayer is that God would release some flourishing into your life that, that all of a sudden you're going to find like a strength, a joy, and an encouragement. It requires us having a focus, but it also requires us having a willingness to learn, to discover some new ideas. So I want to invite the worship team to come just as we close. What I want to do is I want to pray, because I know there are many here, you've got ideas, you've got areas of focus you're trying to grow in your life, which I think is awesome. Now it's time to begin the next piece, which is, is saying, okay, God, would you help evaluate my thinking in light of all of this? What am I thinking about this? How have my experiences impacted my perspective? How have my education, all those different things? And then to begin to bring it in, in conversation with the gospel, what does the gospel say? Because when we allow God to change our thinking, it changes our living. And I know many of you, you're just like going, you know what, it's, I want to live different. Some of you, you're tired of wrestling with some of the same things over and over. You ever been in that place? And the way we begin to change our stuff is by being in His presence. It's about allowing him to begin to change our thinking. So let's pray. Father, we just simply need you. We need your help. Lord, we recognize that you are calling us to, to transformation. You, you, are, you are longing to bring us life that is truly life. And God, we need your help. We can't do this stuff alone. Lord, would you help us discover new ideas? God, would you help us think different? 
Lord, we need your word to wash over our lives. Lord, we need your spirit to convict us, encourage us. Lord, we need your people to surround us, to support us. Lord, I thank you that you're at work and you're helping us become the people you're calling us to be. Just while your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, how many would just simply just indicate with a raised hand by saying, you know what, I'm ready to learn. God, help me think different. If that's you, just raise your hand. See those hands. Father, you see every hand. Lord, you see every heart. I thank you for a love and a grace that is greater than our worst day. I thank you for a love that's greater than our fears, our faults, and our frailties. And God, we come to allow that grace to wash over us. Help us, Lord, change our thinking that we may change our living. In Jesus' name.